Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Kike, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to see you. I know they can't hear us, or they, I know they can see us and only hear us, but uh, happy to see you this morning. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to hang out with me and uh, help me better understand exactly what you guys got going on over at Advisor. This show's all about the good, the bad, and the gritty of the startup world. We'll get into all that and what your experience has been and uh, how it's been building uh, Advisor and the, some of the good, bad, and gritty experiences that you've had uh, as part of that process. But before we do that, let's back up a little bit and help our listeners better understand a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Um, I... Uh I'm currently in Bozeman, Montana, uh, which is where I'm, I sort of spend most of my time in this COVID world, but uh, most of my career has been spent in New York City, where I've been for the last 20 years. Um, I started my career working for an enterprise technology company, um, servicing you know, large media sales teams. Um, spent a couple of years there, moved to London with them, uh, came back and worked for a, a big sort of broadcast television media company for a couple of years. Um, and then after that, really moved into uh, the digital environment, working for an organization that provided digital media capabilities uh, also to big media sales teams. <clears throat> um, and interestingly, sort of was my experience across those organizations that, that really led to starting Advisor, um, which I'm happy to tell you about. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we observed, um, you know, over the course of the last really 15 or 20 years was that the, the role of the salesperson, particularly in the media ecosystem, was changing. If you were a salesperson, you know, 20 plus years ago, and you worked for a television organization, you really had a pretty unique and exclusive set of products that you sold, right? If you were an advertiser and you wanted to be on, you know, a, a TV station in Dallas, you had to call that TV station, which changed is really through the proliferation of digital products. Sales organizations continue to sell their core products, but they also represent a number of, you know, uh, third-party capabilities and sometimes additional first-party capabilities. Those third-party capabilities, though, are largely available to you know uh, sales teams everywhere. Um, so it led from the sales organization going from this world of having unique and exclusive products that were relatively limited to a huge number of products that they're expected to represent. And one of the challenges is you can only be good at selling so many products, right? And typically, salespeople gravitate towards the products that they're either most incentivized by, right, effectively the highest commission rate, um, or the products that they're most familiar and comfortable with. And what we have found is that a lot of times um, you know, sales organizations are leaving on money on the table as a result of that. Um, so we've seen them try and solve this problem a couple of different ways, right? They, they say, we're going to train our sales team, right? We're going to throw a bunch of training at it and, and that can work, but there's a lot of turnover with sellers. Uh, there's a lot of turnover with customers. So some of that institutional knowledge is lost. Um, we've seen other, uh, other sales organizations that will invest in their own proprietary technology. That's relatively limited to the top tier, right? The guys that have enough money to try and build their own tech. Um, the challenge with that is that a lot of these organizations are not technology companies and you know sort of by trade so tend to, to not be as efficient at, at building and scaling and deploying tech um, and then third is they throw a bunch of people at it right so they say okay we've got these sales teams we've got these you know big product portfolios um, you know if we invest in sales support right the sales support can help these sellers navigate these uh, you know these complex product portfolios um, but that's really expensive, right? As your revenue grows, you hire more salespeople. You uh, you know you have to invest in more sales support. So those are just a couple a couple of uh, examples of what companies have tried to do because there really hasn't been a third party technology solution on the market designed, you know, to help address some of these challenges. And and that really was the birth of Advisor, right? How do we help, you know, build technology that's going to make it easy for sales organizations to effectively represent their capabilities and deliver value for their customers. 
So how does it, how is the, how do you get away from the sale? You brought up a good point. Sales, sales professionals want to sell things typically with the biggest sales commission. So what does your solution solve pertaining to that? Because if there's a hundred, like you said, the average, you and I were chatting before the interview, you said the average company yeah. has how many products available? So- our, across our customer set, the average is about 47 products. That's right. kind of like core product level. So if you think about the combinations or sort of, you know, uh, features of products, right? There could be thousands of different, you know, almost like SKU equivalents. But for us, it's about 47 products. Right. So um, out of those 47 products, you know, are all of them probably don't pay the same on here. So how how is how did your solution help solve that problem of being able to get sales professionals to want to sell more than just five? Yeah. So it's, it's a great question. And I think, you know, it, it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg, right? Part of the reason that w- that we think salespeople gravitate, well, I mean, look, money, money is the obvious one, right? Where, where salespeople tend to be motivated by money. And as a result, they're going to you know, sell about the highest commission products. But at the same time, salespeople are smart, right? They want to deliver value for their customers because they know that's how they're going to maximize their income over the long haul, right? If you, if you sell the wrong product to a client, the likelihood of them sort of re-engaging on the, ne- the next time they want to spend money is pretty low, sure. right? So, so in the absence of, you know, the, the resources to efficiently build the right solution for their customers, sometimes you're left with no other option other than to sell what you know, right? So, so in our experience, if you can help surface and support the salesperson by recommending products that are going to deliver the most value based on the objectives of their client, right? They're going to want to sell it because it's going to ensure that the customer has a good experience. There's all sorts of data that highlights, you know, the more products a customer buys from you, the higher the likelihood of retention and, and maximizing spend over the duration of whatever partnership you have with them. Um, so I don't think it's a function. We certainly don't think it's a function of salespeople being motivated purely by commission, right? It's really the intersection of commission and, and compensation, but also being effective, right? And, and delivering value for their clients. And, and that's really what we're focused on. And part of why you know, uh, salespeople are some of the biggest proponents of using the system, right? We're arming them with information and control to, you know, to be able to inform those really positive outcomes for their customers. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And even though the sales representative may be familiar with the products that are available, they may not be, you know, connecting all the dots as far as I know it's available, but what's really the most valuable that's going to pay off long-term for both of us, where it's really a win-win. So that really makes sense. So Let's yeah. talk about the, let's talk about, well, first of all, how long you guys, when, when did you guys launch and how long you guys been around? Yeah. So we started the company about four years ago. Uh, myself and my co-founders always argue about when our official start date was. I consider when we hired our first employee because we sort of bootstrapped it for a few months, but the very beginning is about four years ago. Uh, we're sort of three and a half in from uh, when we started our, you know, we had our first employee and, and that sort of made it feel real to us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, as part of the startup process, you said that you guys kind of bootstrapped it for the first couple months. And, yeah. you know, we, we always like to talk about the, 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 the startup process is not, you know, the, not the exact process, but the journey rather um, yeah. of an actual startup. What were some of the most challenging parts of the beginning of that startup process? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's funny, this, this comes up a lot and, and you're absolutely right, right. Getting a company off the ground is one of the hardest things. Um, for me personally, it was, it was identifying the right, the right partners, right? The right co-founders. Um, by trade, I'm not a technologist. I'm, you know, I'm not a product guy, um, but we're building software, right? So I really sort of had the kind of commercial side of the business. I felt comfortable in sort of what the market opportunity was, who the, who the ideal customer was, but, um, you know, spent a lot of time trying to identify the right, the right partners. And one of the things about starting a startup is, as you know, is it's hard. Um, and it's not just about finding the right skill set, but it's about finding the right skill set, the right mindset, 
and frankly, people that have the personal capacity to work for nothing for a long period of time, right? Take on risk and, and have that desire. So there's a number of people that we've encountered that really have the passion and the desire to, you know, to want to do a startup, but don't have the life circumstances that allows them to, you know, to leave their high paying job, you know, because they've got a mortgage and kids and responsibilities, right? Um, so the intersection of all those things is, was really difficult. Uh, ultimately, we landed in a great spot and, and you know, we've got you know, a great, great founding team um, that's focused on this. And I think one of the things that we did that was interesting was, you know, the three of us really bring together, you know, unique skill sets that are complementary. So there's not a ton of overlap. And that allowed us to, in the early days, bootstrap the business pretty effectively, yeah. right? So we don't have all the skills required to, to, you know, build a successful and profitable business over the long haul, but we could stand up, you know, sort of an alpha and beta product on our own without the, the need to engage a whole bunch of third party or, you know, or frankly, just expensive resources. Sure. So once we got through that, I mean, it, we certainly weren't, you know, over the hump, but, it, but it did, um, you know, having the right partners did do a lot to kind of help us get off the ground and start that momentum. And, you know, once the momentum gets rolling, you know, there's tons of bumps in the roads, but it's, it's certainly easier to, to, you know, to keep it moving forward when you, uh, when you have the right team. Absolutely. So speaking of bumps in the road, you guys launched four years ago, three and a half years ago, uh, we entered a pandemic um, two years ago. What did that all mean as far as the startup, the brand as a whole, what your solution was providing? I was reading the article over on Street Fight uh, before our conversation yeah. earlier today. Sure. And I thought to my, the first thought I thought was, well, wait a second. Sounds like these guys got the, uh, their timing of the solution uh, is is almost perfect because uh, it's it's solutions like this that had to be integrated uh, because of remote work and, and you know the great resignation you know d all the above let's talk about that a little bit yeah um, you know I think one of the things that that is uh, underrepresented in successful startups is luck um, and and we were the benefactors of, of definitely some timing and some luck um, you know I don't mean to take away from the hard work and efforts of the team but but luck certainly played a role. Um, but, but not without its challenges. You know, you're right. As you know, a lot of organizations moved very quickly to being truly remote and distributed workforces. And these are companies that historically were the exact opposite culture of that, right? Butts and seats, 7 a.m. to you know 4 p.m. or whatever it was. Smiling and dialing, um, yeah. Exactly right. So, you know, in that environment, a salesperson in the sales organization has infrastructure, right? I can go on a meeting. I can come back. I can go talk to my sales manager. I can go talk to the sales assistants or the support team, right? And I can work in person to kind of quickly and efficiently or, or you know, reasonably quickly and efficiently pull together some solution for my customer. You know, that went away. Now you're at home, you're sitting in your pajamas right on your, on your computer, trying to figure out, trying to call your boss, trying to call your sales assistant or sales support person. Um, so, you know, creating and, and deploying the tools that enabled these folks to have some more control and tackle some of these, um, you know, functions of the sales process themselves really helped those organizations. And as a result, really accelerated the growth of our business. Um, what I will tell you, despite the fact that that was an incredible positive for us is on the other side, we were supposed to close around the funding on, uh, I think it was March 17th, 2020. Oh. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, we were at, at really the, you know, the kind of the two yard line. Um, and, uh, you know, that ultimately sort of disintegrated in the last minute. And, and you know, that, that put us in a really interesting predicament because it was a deal that we had worked on for, for several months, but, you know, in hindsight, like a lot of these deals, um, you know, you, uh, you know, it, it, they tend to be positive in the end. And, and looking back, I think that was one of the best things that could have happened. So highs and lows all through a very, you know, interesting time in, uh, you know, in a commercial environment. Absolutely. Well, I mean, looks like, you know, we're, uh, it's for, for the most of it's behind us. I mean, we've still got a lingering, you know, way of the new normal that's here, but it's good to see that I, and I've said that too, that, you know, 
the, the world of podcasting was drastically impacted because of the pandemic and it was a positive, it wasn't a negative um, solution on there. So there was a lot of good that came out of it and, and, and based on circumstances. I mean, if you don't focus on the good, what are, I mean, the, the, the uh, what's wrong is always available. So is what is right. Exactly right. 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 <laughs> Mindset plays an important role in these challenging environments. And, uh, but I think you're right. I think, you know, the, the pandemic certainly forced, you know, change in a lot of our professional and personal lives. And, uh, you know, ultimately there's a lot of good that came with it for, for all the bad that came with it. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the good, so what are some of the best parts of the startup phase that have happened that you guys have experienced where you look back and you're like, man, that was awesome. And we didn't even see that coming and it ended up working out that way. Yeah. It's funny. I was just having this conversation with one of our investors. Um, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, when you look back, even in the course of the four years that we've been in business, you know, it, it, a, it feels like 10 different companies, right. And sort of reflective of each, each step of progress that we've made. Um, but B, you know, the number of highs and lows that existed are, are significant. Now what's happened is that, you know, it used to be one, one great thing would happen and the highs were high for everybody. And then two months later, something terrible would happen. And, you know, we sort of all were on the, the, you know, the, the tumultuous ocean of startup life. Now the volume of good and bad happening at the same time just sort of neutralizes everything, which makes it, you know, significantly more uh, palatable. But, you know, I, I look back in the very beginning, you know, when we first started the business, myself, my, my, my two co-founders, Peter and Jesse, we stood up this product and we were able to find, you know, a six figure SaaS license when, when it was three of us in, you know, in, a, in a borrowed office space in, uh, you know, Soho in New York city. And remember we, we signed this contract and the three of us looked at each other saying, Oh my God, how the hell are we going to support this customer? Right. We, we barely have a product. Um, you know, we barely have a, we barely have a team. Um, but, but getting that deal played such a significant role because we went from being three guys with an idea to three guys with a paying customer and a product. And that allowed us to go out and, and raise money on very favorable terms. And that allowed us to invest in the business and really kind of created the, you know, the, the initial ripples that uh, have led to where we are today. So, you know, that stands out as kind of one of the biggest because it was the catalyst for us to convert from, you know, truly a couple of guys with an idea to really an early stage startup. You know, and since then there's been, there's been so many enormous wins and, you know, people make a you know, huge impact, right? Uh, our ability to hire, we've got some of the best people in the industry and the fact that we're able to get them, you know, to come and join us and, and participate in the journey. You know, every single employee we have is arguably an enormous win from my perspective. Um, you know, we've been able to get some real significant, you know, and meaningful customer engagements. Um, you know, that plays a role. You know, now, again, sort of momentum building on each other and, and uh, we feel super fortunate to be in the position that we're in. That's exciting stuff. Well, I'm excited for you and, um, Wishing you guys the best here as you continue uh, plowing away in the world of, of startup and, and changing the sales world as we know it uh, with, with better solutions uh, for sales professionals and for brands to really make sure they're maximizing that sales experience. So wishing you guys the absolute best uh, from, from, from here on out. You have to come back to the show sometime and keep us updated uh, as, as things progress with you guys. But I really enjoyed our conversation. I definitely appreciate our time. Uh, appreciate yeah, your time. Likewise. <laughs> Yeah, likewise. Thanks. Thanks very much for the conversation and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks again, Kike. All right. Have a great day. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by Grit Daily com, the premier startup news hub. More information at gritdaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends.
Head into your local Safeway for great spring savings throughout the store. This week at Safeway, get yellow peaches or nectarines for the member price of $1.88 per pound. Also this week at Safeway, value packs of Signature Farms chicken drumsticks, thighs, leg quarters, or picnic packs are buy one, get one free. Plus, get value packs of USDA Choice Boneless Beef Top Sirloin Steak for the member price of $4.99 per pound. Visit Safeway.com, download the Safeway for You app, or head in store to find more great deals at Safeway.